Hi, I'm Harry. Hi, I'm Rory, and you're listening to Games on Film. games on film the podcast that celebrates video game movies and today we've got a very special movie i guess well it's a kind of a magic movie for me i'll, I'll get to why in a minute <laughs> but we are doing monster hunter and to join me on this hunt i have as ever uh, rory hello rory hello again <laughs> and also joining us, I guess this is why this is a special episode as well as a special film. We have ported over, poker transferred from our Pokemon movie thread. So we have Hamish Steele, our brother. Hello. Hello. We thought we'd give you a change of pace rather than Pokemon pocket monsters. You've got, well, I, you struggle to fit these monsters in your pocket, I'd imagine. I was. I think in previous episodes I've been described as a poke expert. Mm -hmm. I consider myself a monster hunter um, neophyte. I see. But uh, compared to people who um, really are into this franchise, but um, I thought I w I thought I didn't know the franchise that much. I know a few months ago, whenever this film came out, I said, you know, oh, I've played some monster hunters. If you want me as a guest, uh, when you asked me to be on this episode i suddenly uh thought oh crap i really don't know this franchise that well but then when watching this film um and reading up on the actual franchise itself i realized i've played well over like three quarters of the games oh wow <laughs> Perfect. Um, and i just don't I, I really do like them i just they don't hold in my memory the same way that like pokemon facts do um but I will be able to be a little bit of your guide. Well, I that's... can be the Tony Jar to your Mila Jovovich. Perfect. <laughs> I mean, that's rather reassuring because I know really next to nothing about this franchise. My experience is playing that demo, which recently got released on Nintendo Switch for Monster Hunter Rise. Very much enjoy it. I like any video game with like thwip thwip Spider-Man type abilities where you can shoot mm -hmm. you, this that spider-man game is a good one <laughs> but i'm pleased i mean just off right off the bat you see photos of this film the first photos released were like the military and i thought this looks <laughs> absolutely nothing like what i've seen of monster hunter so i'm pleased to hear that you recognized a bunch of shit well we'll see how much shit you recognize <laughs> Uh, Rory, what um, is your experience with Monster Hunter? Well, I think sort of maybe somewhere in between, um, because I actually have played three different games demos. Not three different Monster Hunter full titles, but I played <laughs> the demos for three games. Um, I played, I think my first experience was Monster Hunter 4. Ah, the fourth one. 
Yeah, and as as part of my gamer disco events, we actually did a launch party for Monster Hunter Four Ultimate on the 3DS. So that was my first time I actually kind of played any Monster Hunter, uh, and then I played the Monster Hunter Rise demo on Nintendo Switch, and also I played Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate demo on Nintendo Switch um, after watching the movie. And I think uh, in terms of like playing these demos, I really still don't understand how to play the game. And this is just me, like, obviously not having had sort of much experience, but those demos never really tell you what the game is or how to play it or the controls or, or anything like that. So am I right in thinking that these games are basically you tool up, go look for a monster, uh, you hack and slash at it for 30 minutes, it dies, and then that's it? Uh, yeah, kind of. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I don't think the demos really explain the appeal. And to be honest, I don't know if the games explain the appeal that well Mm. um they're very slow burn very grindy very steep uh learning curve um but the sort of uh and there has been some attempts to kind of change that a little bit um i mean when smash brothers ultimate came out i was like yeah best game ever and then lots of friends who bought it also said there's no explanation about what the game is. I don't even know what like one player is. This is really confusing. So I think it's one of those cases of just like the f- Monster Hunter games are made for their fan base very mm. strictly. Um, and it's very, very popular with them. There's been a couple of attempts. There's a game called Monster Hunter World for the PS4, which is the one I've played the most of and was their real attempt to kind of basically get Americans into it. Um, yeah because before then the franchise was very much it was hugely popular in japan it's been going since 2004 uh but it was only with monster hunter world that it it kind of sort of finally broke through and it's been their most successful title and and it's actually capcom's second best-selling franchise after resident evil um and yeah monster hunter world was definitely you know the first time where it had major impact and i think probably helped having the ease of online capability because i get the impression that it's very much like multiplayer is where it's at uh, effectively when you join up and go on quests as a team yes i did play uh, a fair bit of um the third monster hunter game on the wii with a keyboard uh oh wow usb lights uh plugged in online with some friends on the n europe forum you're, you're uh, a part of a guild i was um, I've never been part of a guild. Not been cool enough. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, though. I didn't. Um, I didn't really remember any of this stuff. I didn't remember how much of it I had played until really thinking about it this week in preparation for the podcast. Um, but yeah, I, I that was my first one. They were started off as PS2, three games, and then for a while they were Nintendo exclusives. So um, they had a game on the. Wii, and then I think a 3DS game is like a main series title, and the one that's just come out on Switch is a main series title. It's technically the sequel to World. 
So um, I've, I sort of appreciate that, that they kind of jump around um, platforms and kind of allow everyone to have a go. Um, but from my perspective, the appeal comes in that satisfaction from how... This is why I don't think it works quite well in demo format. I think demos are very lengthy tutorials and they sort of give you a, a glimpse of what's possible. But the the sort of appeal of the film is that it's these giant boss battles and you'll stumble into this world once and you'll see this huge dragon fly past that will kill you on, in one hit and knowing that that's sort of on the horizon and after hours and hours and hours of killing monsters, because there's no real like leveling up in this game. You sort of kill monsters, you take them back, you you take their scales and their claws and you fashion new weapons and then you go out again. And basically you just kind of slowly build up until the monsters fear you. <laughs> um, and to a point, no, but like to a point where the monsters will run away from you. You also don't have to kill all of them. You can set traps for them. You can uh, do other little missions where you have to get two monsters to fight each other. And obviously it's all a lot more fun with friends. Having like three of your friends all surrounding this monster, hacking it, climbing on it, sort of knocking bits of it off. You see it kind of limp away back to its nest and then you regroup and find a, a route to sneak in behind it. Like it's, it's very bare bones and simple on the uh, surface and i think the name monster hunter is like part of that it's a very um low fantasy i think the term is That's there's what no it says on the tin exactly there's a lot of monster hunters in this tin <laughs> there's uh the terms like low fantasy where it's a fantasy setting but there's kind of no magic and there's no uh any of that it is mm. just people going to a new world finding out it's filled of horrible monsters and slowly exterminating all of them so my question actually you mentioned the new world and you've done a really good job of establishing the gameplay i really appreciate that thanks a lot <laughs> um <laughs> that sounds really sarcastic but i genuinely mean it. i've got a much better handle on on the games now uh, but my question so is the whole idea of traveling to a new world like the multiverse which is basically everything is doing a multiverse now in pop culture <laughs> um, is is that part of the games i haven't played all of it to say this with complete authority but in my experience no the new world is in a very uh exploring uncharted parts of the map kind of sense I see. so the idea is that um i mean <laughs> To sort of talk a little bit about the start of the film, the opening scene of them like on a boat traveling to a, a place they've never been to before or, or whatever, that's how several of the games have started. And uh, it was basically like a, um, you know, actors performing a, a, a scene from one of the games. And you usually get attacked by a monster and it's usually like the box art monster or the monster that, you will you can't defeat yet i think the idea is that it's a fantasy world but it's a very cruel fantasy world and it's a, a world where um i think something i appreciate about the game is that it's not just that there's no magic it's that all the creatures you find are a lot of work goes into kind of 
uh, their biology and their kind of evolution and how that they how they survive there. So it's not just like there's dragons, but it's not just um, there were some fantasy settings as like dragons and fairies and mermaids and centaurs. In this, it's kind of like well, in a world with a dragon, wouldn't there be you know hundreds of different evolutionary dragon type things so that's why there's kind of dinosaurs and um wyverns uh, yes i think that's why the fandom really like it there's a lot of care put into a quite restrained world in a way um and so when it comes to parallel universe and stuff i've not seen that i do there is talk in the games of like a civilization long before that was technologically advanced and i think it it's there to justify um the sci-fi you know. shit yeah that said i mean they just added akuma from street fighter to monster hunter so <laughs> um you can and they actually added mila jovovich in that outfit to the game oh i remember now yes because of course this was going to be a release for last year and yeah. i think she came out for that game like last year um, I think even the, the date got pushed back a few times due to the pandemic, and I think for a brief moment it was going to be the big film that everyone's that was going to be saving cinema because I think before <laughs> before cinemas closed in December or whatever, I think that was the plan. But I think what I was saying, the reason why I mentioned this film was special to me is that I kind of. D- had no idea if it had even come out or anything it seemed to sort of quietly come out and then we've watched it by buying it um not renting it so i was like it feels like almost a forbidden text (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it 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 was going to come out in december here it ended up coming out in december 2020 in the usa and in china and a few other territories i think it got released finally in japan in march and it came out in the uk you know unceremoniously sort of dumped in june kind of when cinemas were starting to reopen again but before people really understood that they were actually open again um so yeah we're only finally watching it now uh on the week of release on digital markets in the uk Captain. What'd you find? It's definitely Bravo team, but the tracks end here. They can't just disappear. Where the hell did that come from? Back in the vehicle! It's getting on us! Give me a hand! But we need weapons. 
<laughs> Gotta tell me about that. What happened to your family? get into their world, they can get into ours. My God. We gotta get home. You with me? Yeah! I mean, it, it hasn't been very long since we said uh goodbye to Paul W.S. Anderson and Meliovich in their Resident Evil incarnation. Yeah. They've shown up like uh relatives that you uh thought you'd seen the last of. <laughs> <laughs> oh you guys again. Uh here they are again putting another uh putting their stamp on another Capcom franchise. And apparently as I'm sure in PR puff pieces and interviews um he would say anyway but uh Anderson sort of mentioned that he became a fan of the game since 2008 when he was in Japan, I think, promoting other Resident Evil movies. Um, And it does seem like, you know, the way he talks about the monsters and all this kind of stuff in interviews does, you know, suggest someone who has, like, played the games and, and all that kind of thing. I don't deny, I don't doubt that he, you know, as with Resident Evil, is a fan of these titles and is a fan of video games and plays them and then wants to make a movie out of them well it's just as as, as an outsider it seemed really b- bizarre that he would go from making capcom films effectively to another capcom franchise it seemed like a real lack of imagination <laughs> but i mean i can't even conceive what he would have done next i mean he clearly has made films like the musketeers and did he make the death race remake yeah yeah he did didn't he so yeah he wouldn't the apple doesn't fall far from his own tree i don't know what that (laughs) means but you know it seems and especially that first shot of this military group and we we learn in the film they're called bravo and alpha team i mean it's like you're just doing resident evil again mate but having seen the film i do detect he's got more of a passion to make certain things present and correct in this yeah and and i i think also um just in terms of other monster hunter iterations um i also watched monster hunter legends of the guild which is a sort of hour-long animation on netflix and it follows the character of aiden who does appear in the Monster Hunter movie. I don't know whether he's like a fan favourite character. He's the one with the sort of red hair, the sort of faux hawk. Oh yeah, he very much looked like he... Well, he, he looked very much like a video game character, but not as much as Ron Perlman, who will be definitely <laughs> disgusting. That look. Um, but it's, it's basically... I, I don't know what the purpose of this, but in sort of two minutes of exposition in this kind of short animation... I understood more about the world of Monster Hunter than I did in this film and in any of the games that I've played because the the idea of the sort of the hunt at least in this film is about restoring balance and like only hunt the monsters that will restore balance to nature and do not waste your kills I guess as you say Hamish with all the kind of crafting and and stuff that um uh you need to do with your sort of weapons and armor as a result 
Um, it does at one point feature a giant purple baboon farting a cloud of green gas in a woman's face who then gets instantly intoxicated and paralyzed from it. Oh, sorry, what did you say this film is called again? <laughs> Monster Hunter. <laughs> Legends of the Guild. Legends of the Guild. It really okay. um, right. fits within your, list. Your, your gas fetish. Yes, my, my um, I've got a letterbox list, which is like purple baboons farting into ladies' faces, so add it to that. And uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Rise of the Planet of the Apes that happens as well, doesn't it? Um, Andy Serkis yeah. farting through the volume. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wouldn't necessarily uh, recommend Legends of the Guild. Um, it seems even fans find it far from essential. Um, but it's it's there if you want to have a slightly ropily animated not very interesting um taste i suppose of what the games have to offer without actually playing or watching one uh i don't know if that sort of justification is more to get you to like movie characters or if that's actually part of the games because i've never heard of that either (laughs) about balance there's usually some kind of plot um but it's 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 again the plots are never that essential i feel like it is far more about your solo experience of you you get to customize your hunter and you get to uh there's sort of loads of different weapons you can get and each one has a completely different kind of control system so it's all about your solo experience i suppose that you then collaborate with all of your friends and you get to check out each other's cool hunters um I've never thought about it as restoring balance. I thought you were just killing killing lots of animals but, and stealing their guts. But that's, yeah, I, I didn't know whether there was meant to be any kind of like Shadow of the Colossus style sort of, you know, oh, I can't believe I'm slaying these incredible beasts. And it's just like, nah, kill them, wipe them out. I think there's a bit, and I think there's definitely reverence given to some of the bigger monsters. I mean, the the some of the monsters in the games are mountain sized mm. you're literally crawling up their backs having fights with other monsters on their backs kind of size um and i think they are definitely given a certain amount of uh respect when they die but they are also huge danger to the human race i suppose i mean part of the reason we having you on hamish is that of course you're a ginormous Godzilla fan and kaiju fan in general and considering the subject matter of this film seems to be we need to kill these giant monsters dead kill them till they are dead (laughs) um how do you feel about that sort of imagery because a lot of the time kaijus are are nice no well actually Godzilla's always beating up one baddie isn't he the uh levels in Monster Hunter World where you could uh capture them alive I very much more enjoyed. It's a lot harder. Um, but, you know, there's sometimes when you're... Uh, I remember one of the early missions in Monster Hunter World, you would be hacking and slashing at this monster for ages until it would, like, sadly limp away and then go back to its nest with its babies. Mm. And then you'd have to sort of chop its head off in front of them. <laughs> um, and then you cut back and then you watch a cat cook it up for dinner and you all are going like yay we did it 
I think something that people do like about the game is that it just owns it. You know, it's about barbarians. It's about people who, this is their culture. All of their weapons and clothes come from this kind of monster thing. And you're, you're not necessarily asked to sort of critique it too much because it's their entire way of life. And I think something like Pokemon, it sort of tries to sidestep sort of implications of, you know, that kind of stuff and justify that all the Pokemon love doing this. But, you know, they decided to make this monster kind of whimper and beg for forgiveness and and things and it does make the games quite emotional when you finally kind of kill something or if you choose not to or if it kills you and you feel like i deserve that (laughs) (laughs) um yeah yeah. kill all its children (laughs) disengage stubborn kid <laughs> oh shit! No! You good, buddy? Whoa! No! No! That can't be good. I think we get a sense of where these games are coming from. So, without further ado, shall we start looking at the film in question? Yes. Would you like a synopsis? Yes, please. Okay, this comes from the sonypictures.co.uk website. And it reads as follows. Behind our world, there is another. A world of dangerous and powerful monsters that rule their domain with deadly ferocity. When an unexpected sandstorm transports Captain Artemis Meliovich and her unit, T.I. Harris, Megan Good, Diego Bonita, to a new world, the soldiers are shocked to discover that this hostile and unknown environment is home to enormous and terrifying monsters immune to their firepower. In their desperate battle for survival, the unit encounters the mysterious hunter, Tony Jar, whose unique skills allow him to stay one step ahead of the powerful creatures. As Artemis and Hunter slowly build trust, she discovers that he is part of a team led by the Admiral, Ron Perlman. Facing a danger so great it could threaten to destroy their world, the brave warriors combine their unique abilities to band together for the ultimate showdown. Based on the global video game series phenomenon, Monster Hunter. I didn't know he was called the Admiral. I just immediately pictured the car insurance person. (laughs) (laughs) Who's um, recently recently a lady admiral, but that's by the by. Um... (laughs) So what we're going to do, we're, we're going to tell us, we're going to have a little chat about how we felt about the film, and then we'll let you know when we're going into spoilerific detail. Um, who wants to start? Who wants to show their hand? What about what about our guests, Hamish? How about we, we'll throw you on the on the pie? <laughs> throw you on the barbecue spit. <laughs> throw you on the spit. Um, right. I think. It's a fairly, um, (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a fairly solid adaptation. I also think that reveals that I don't think this is a quite a good franchise for adaptation. Um, I thought it was quite boring and, but I, I also think the games are quite boring. (laughs) But in like a kind of satisfying way, 
like some some levels feel like a real stakeout um but there's like i said there is a plot but the vast majority of the game is not about dialogue and and it's about kind of waiting out animals and setting traps and and doing all that stuff and all of that is fairly well communicated through this game i mean it through this movie it's um quiet mostly (laughs) and um it is slow and all that stuff so like for this to be a better movie it would have to be less like the games um so i felt kind of conflicted because it's a very different experience to you know when we all sat down and watched resident evil for the first time and we're like oh it's nothing like the games and sort of complaining constantly and then it kind of became its own thing and all that stuff so like i was enjoying the very base oh that looks like the thing oh yeah she does the thing like in the thing (laughs) i like i liked that element um i have no idea who i'd really recommend this to (laughs) because um if you like the games then you can just play the games Uh, sorry Um, don't pick apart the concept of our podcast hamish (laughs) (laughs) but like no if you like the games um, you must watch the film with us I mean, if you have 45 seconds, I think you'd have a good time watching Ron Perlman's segments. <laughs> um, but it's weird because I also like I sort of admire it in a way because it is quite restrained. But at the same time, I get this real strong feeling that some of its restraint isn't through choice. Mm. Um, I This might be giving away too much detail, but... Um, there's not a lot of monsters in this game, <laughs> this movie. Um, and while the the games are filled with sort of barren places, and there's often one big main event, they are still teeming with life. There's always bugs and uh, little monsters and little creatures running around. That's one question I wanted to ask was, is there ever an enormous endless desert in Monster Hunter? um kind of that it's not definite it's not the main setting i would um instantly choose i'm sure it's the cheapest one mm. um <laughs> pretty much why they're shoot- shooting there to be honest but there are desert places um and they are it'd know, be like setting like are... a zelda movie but just in like gerudo valley yeah i got that vibe. yeah it's something which exists in zelda but when you think of Zelda, you think of like Hylian fields and castles yeah. and villages. And I mean, stuff. it's a video game. There is a forest land and a desert land and a ice land. Side by side. <laughs> and a spooky ghost house. We can't wait um, for the Mario movie to take place exclusively in the snow world. Yeah. <laughs> Chucking penguins off mountains. What are you doing there, Mario? Just whamming another penguin off the... Just the original Monster Hunter. Yeah, so I don't know. I really... I can't... I find it kind of tough to work out how I feel because I definitely uh, think it could have been way worse and I feel like it could have been really annoying and really obnoxious. Um, But yeah, I think I just come down on the side of, like, I don't 
think it's uh, I don't I don't think it's fun. So so hasn't saved cinema in your eyes. <laughs> No, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I, I can tell you how I feel. I thought this was a bad movie. And I, I've been a, uh, you know, I've had some, you know, as someone who is a fan of the Resident Evil games, and I've made my peace with the Resident Evil franchise and I've defended uh, Anderson's choices in uh, previous episodes with regards to those movies. And... You know, Mortal Kombat still reigns supreme as a video game movie. And I just thought this film was really not good at all. And the problem was is that it was really just boring. And I, I just couldn't Did... understand why... I mean, I understand why. It's budget, it's script, it's, you know, can't make this fully realised monster world. So I'm just going to kind of make half the film eight-legged freaks in the desert and uh, reimagine aliens for the umpteenth time. And then I'll give you 15 minutes of actual monster hunter fantasy. And then, you know, that's kind of it. You know, it's like, I just really, I could see it. I could see exactly why all the choices were made. And I think as, as Hamish said, I don't think they were made because oh, I thought this is a really good idea. I made this choice because it would cost me, you know, only a few million to make this movie rather than 150 million or, or, or whatever. So, yeah, I, I I really just found it a real chore to to get through. And, I, you know, that's, that's sort of disappointing in itself because I was hoping with Anderson returning to fantasy and, you know, when they were like, touches of that in the in the teaser trailers it's like yeah i knew this was just going to be like a bunch of monsters in the desert and that was it but i was hoping with those little flashes that it would be something more and we might get the fun of a mortal combat from anderson again and we just didn't did you consider calling this podcast anderson's choices <laughs> um okay well uh I actually really enjoyed this film, <laughs> but it's as always. I thought um... you would. I thought you would. I just knew. I knew as I knew as I was watching this and not having any time. I just knew that <laughs> Harry was going to be really loving every minute. Um. Okay. Just a just a um crossover time. I recently guested on Hamish's brilliant Gordon Ramsay Kitchen Nightmares podcast. And I mentioned that we do this podcast and how you are the one with taste. And I just <laughs> tend to like just any old shit. Um, you're not wrong, you and Hamish, um, about a lot of things. And also I watched this with uh, my wife, who I think after about five minutes, when like, I think Mia Jovovich says like 10, this is 10 tons of vehicle. They just don't disappear. My wife was like, you know, this is shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, Boy, I mean, you, you don't know the sort of films we've watched. Oh yeah, um, I mean, my wife hated it as well. <laughs> just couldn't um, couldn't get on with it at all, and it like angered her. Not just like she was bored or didn't like it; it was like actually frustrated by it. Right. Well, here's here's why I think I liked it. I'm just saying why I liked it, and like again, I don't. It's not a masterpiece at all. 
I think a lot of the heavy lifting for my appreciation is because I know it's a Paul Anderson movie. And whereas I really, I mean, I, I said in our last Resident Evil episode that Resident Evil, the final chapter was my favorite of the saga, but despite the empirical evidence being it's a really messy film there's too much going on it's completely bewildering to kind of even long-term fans of that, that franchise there's like a couple of versions of valis and there's a couple of versions of the villain and it's just all bonkers what i liked about this was it's a very simple story we just need to go from point a to point b um i felt that like the monster design, you, even if you hate this movie, I think the monsters look fantastic. I didn't really notice there wasn't much monster action. I felt there was quite a lot, but I don't know. I I just I just when we saw them at least, I thought this is really impressive. And I well, less it... about less about monster action, more about number of monsters featured, because there's only like four yeah, or five so... different kinds of monster. I guess yeah, Hamish uh, is that kind of perhaps well, I don't want to say where I'm going wrong <laughs> but <laughs> what I mean is I had no knowledge of how many monsters you expect in a Monster Hunter game so was there a lot of sense of wanting to get to the fireworks factory where it's like okay I've seen a Diablos monster about 15 times now let's see some other monsters please yes at the one hour mark I wrote this is like if Detective Pikachu at the one hour mark had shown you an Ekans and a Squirtle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's funny. I've got a note about the one hour mark, which is when light spoilers, they manage to get away from the desert and we see more of your traditional fantasy setting. And uh, yeah, I wrote down finally a fucking oasis. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it did. <laughs> it is a bit lopsided in that way. And, but, even the desert stuff, and I've gone on record on this podcast saying I don't like movies <laughs> set in sand. I like I didn't take it gets action. everywhere. It gets everywhere. I didn't like. I, I struggled with Prince of Persia and with Resident Evil. Ah, uh, Star Wars. Uh, Star Wars. That goddamn Star Wars film. I mean, I don't know how I'm going to cope with Dune. I mean, it's funny you're talking about this. <laughs> if you're if you're <laughs> If you don't like giant monsters chasing people through the sand, you're in for a treat with Dune. Anyway, um, I've, I mean, sort of, Paul Anderson is doing the same shit he's been doing forever, but I found the cinematography much easier to process. I thought it's in, it's in daylight a lot of the time, and it's not overly color color corrected. I mean, like, there's, I've actually got through. I've got. I took a screenshot of this bit when a soldier near the start of the film. He's in, in the foreground. We're on. We're on a van, and there's a soldier being chased by the giant Diablos, and that shot shat me up because <laughs> it's a real like. Oh my! Oh my god! Get on that! It reminds me of um when the T Rex ch is chasing a, a car in Jurassic Park. Um, I think I'll just I'll wrap up. I mean, like, like I said, it's not the best movie any made, and I it sound I feel like maybe what I appreciated about it was that it wasn't doing a lot of the sh shit which annoyed me about the Resident Evil films. But <laughs> uh, um, I do like the low fantasy setting. I'm actually reading loads of Conan the Barbarian at the moment, and though all those stories end with finding an evil wizard and killing a giant snake, 
<laughs> Literally, that's like every story. <laughs> but what I what what I feel like the main problem with the film is is that, and this isn't spoilers or anything, but I think the main problem with the film is that it doesn't have the courage to give the audience the fantasy world, which I think audiences would be savvy enough about nowadays. I think people don't need audience surrogate, oh, they found a way into our world, or I've fallen into a new world, and where are we? Oh, there's suddenly monsters, that kind of stuff. And I, I just kind of wish the film followed those people in the intro and just oh we're on a we're in a fantasy movie mm. it's a it's a guild it's a fleet they're on an adventure give us that kind of 80s conan crawl vibe but with paul ws anderson um modern sensibilities yeah. or whatever just give us oh, this well... quest this narrative because you know it's only like half an hour before the end of the film where we actually get an understanding of what the story even is or what the <laughs> what the mission even is so just like, why not follow this bunch of? Well, that's a pretty. It's a pretty heroes. generic fantasy story, and it is a generic takes, fantasy story. I counted. It takes eight minutes. No, on the ninth minute, these soldiers enter the fantasy world, so it doesn't take too long to get there. But I will admit, despite what you're saying, I, the soldier stuff does seem completely unnecessary. I mean, my suspicion is is that. Uh, there was military funding because uh, any film featuring soldiers gets funding from the US military, basically. I don't think that's necessary, true, because if you're showing the military in any sort of negative light, then you kind of have to get all your equipment from private collectors or stuff like but that. I don't think this shows the military in a negative light. Um, I well, know. I don't know. I think it adheres to the, the, the trope of like military in over their heads thing, which... I do find sometimes like quite entertaining. <laughs> um, I think it 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 go it could be read both ways. But I well, I would say that no military like Mila Jovovich's character, like everyone, military recruitment is all about you are you could be Mila, you could be this solo badass against the world. Because I think um, you know you can show millions of tanks being blown up but if there's just one soldier who has the grenade <laughs> to save the day then that's kind of I, what it's my, doing but my favorite bit and by favorite i mean completely ridiculous was um after the initial attack like Miliovich says i don't care what that thing is we do what we do best we fight we survive no matter the odds you got it and this is after like a couple of them have been handily eaten and then <laughs> she's immediately practically swallowed by a spider <laughs> so i thought i don't know be the best not necessarily <laughs> just like... i do think there's also this just bizarre idea in hollywood that people from the real real world are always more relatable than people from a fantasy world mm, whereas mm. i don't have i mean i actually didn't hate captain artemis but um, I haven't got anything in common with her, but I, I could easily have someone something in common with a Monster Hunter character. Because all <laughs> you someone who's played the games, <laughs> because you don't really know much about Captain Artemis. I think you get a clear sense of her character. I do think she has a character, but you could just as easily have that be 
someone in the Monster Hunter world. Who... I mean, she carries a precious ring with her the whole time, and at one point she goes down a big spidery tunnel, so she's effectively Frodo Baggins. I think she likes smoking pipe weed and drinking ale and <laughs> etc. I mean, her name, Artemis, is a pretty eye-rolly... There seems to be so um, so many Artemises. We've already dealt with an Artemis on this podcast, you know? I had to Google what an Artemis was, and it is... <laughs> an Artemis <laughs> is an goddess of wild animals, the hunt, and vegetation, and of chastity and childbirth, which I don't really factor into, the, into this film so much. But, you know, wild animals and the hunt sort of makes sense. I kept wanting to call her Ranger, though, because she has that written on her arm. Falcon May, this is Bravo Team. Do you copy? Storm incoming. Zero visibility. Request immediate support. Falcon May, something's in here with us. Send immediate support. Falcon May, this is Bravo Team. Send immediate support. Ma'am. Ma'am. Marshall. Link found something. Have a quick ahead. Bravo team? Think so. X. With Steeler. Man the 50. Yes, boss. All right, ladies. Saddle up. She's a woman, but she still manages to make that sound like an insult. Get used to it. see them. Do you have any idea what they are? Sergeant Davis, I'm a ranger, not an archaeologist. Copy that. Ah! What? What are you listening to? George Jones. Who the hell's that? You're a Philistine stealer. Yes, yes I am. Damn, Marshall, you got hella reflexes. 15th casualty today. Killing him. Take no prisoners, Davis. He blew the water line until the sun went down. And then you feel him a chug and he passes around. Mighty, mighty pleasing. Pack his corn squeezing. Link, what'd you find? It's definitely Bravo team. But the tracks end here. What were Bravo team traveling in? Up armored Humvee and a Met B. It's 10 tons of armored vehicle. They don't just disappear. Boss. We've got something. Incoming. On your 12. Where the hell did that come from? Just came out of nowhere. Bravo team reported a storm in their last transmission. Hostiles using it for cover. An ambush. Like in Hellman? Right, let's not find out. Sounds like two out of one out of three stars. If we if we decide <laughs> to call ourselves stars, um, you know, I I take you I take your points. Um, I thought, in a nutshell, it was the definition of dumb fun, and it was just a simple story and didn't beautifully concern. told. Beautifully told. I mean, it just reminded me. I went to see Jungle Cruise and. 
that is a story about going from A to B up a river, and it's so flipping complicated. It doesn't need to be. It's just mm -hmm. The Rock and Emily Blunt go up a river, and it's so confusing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, it didn't have any of that. It was just, we need to go to that tower there. Okay, there's these bloody monsters here. Oh, um... That's also the plot of Lord of the Rings. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> well, shall so, we head now into the spoiler zone? Yeah, let's go through that. And get zone. like kind of stuck in properly. And I think we're just in terms of the the sort of the military operation, as you say, there's this military task force who have to locate this Bravo team uh, in the oh, desert. So you, you, you forget it is entirely possible that behind the perception of our senses, new worlds are hidden of which we are totally unaware. This is important. Citation needed. Yeah, attributed to who? <laughs> yeah, I was expecting, like, the goddess Artemis said this once. I don't know. <laughs> but yes, uh, we have but... our little um, pre-title question mark sequence where a boat gets attacked. A, sea a, a sand boat. Um, are those in the game? Yeah, because I literally saw Soul around that Christmas time, and that's got, I think, a Graham big sandy Norton. galleon, a big sandy galleon. So yeah, okay. just just making sure it's not ripping off Soul. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd have words. No, it's a boat filled with cosplayers. <laughs> yes, yeah. I think I want to save my admiral comments for later, but I interrupted you, Rory. We after seeing a fantasy boat. Um, being destroyed by uh, a monster, uh, we cut to Michael Bay's Transformers. And <laughs> we have uh, this this group of soldiers. It's Alpha Team, and they've all got a thing that they do. Uh, there's Axe, there's Steeler, there's Link, there's Dash, there's a Fly Swatter guy, a guy who's <laughs> always killing. Fly I was so expecting him to be killed by a giant fly monster, but alas. Yeah, there's there's not really very much uh, like poetic irony, poetic justice, whatever you call it. Basically, most of them get dispatched by a giant spider. Or so here's to me a big surprise was I we got we get this crew, they all could quickly get a quote unquote personality, just a thing that they do. There's one guy he ties his dog tags to his bootlaces so he's he his body could be identified if his head gets ripped off or something. Um, that's an interest. That's how you define your character. But I kind of was expecting them to be throughout most of the film, and they'll be picked off one by one, slowly and kind of boringly in a Kong Skull Island kind of way, or umpteenth other films. But they actually don't survive the first act, which I quite so that leaving just Mili Jovovich and Tony Jaa to bounce off each other. I was also happy they all got killed off but for different reasons <laughs> yeah there's there's a lot of uh badass dialogue uh by which i mean bad ass dialogue yeah, this dialogue taste of ass i liked when mila said all right ladies to let you know the film took place in 1997 mm -hmm. <laughs> and they lampshade it by saying oh she says it to us but but still insulting and then they sing a, uh, and it, you know how like you, when you watched um, The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, 
for the first time and they all started fucking singing and you're really conflicted because you're like oh they sang a lot in the book but actually i can see why they cut this all out of the lord of the rings trilogy they just start singing uh an army song entitled they say that in the army um and I was Googling this because there's, there's, there's multiple different versions of this song. Um, and I would suggest that we all have a sing-along together, but I don't really want to uh, force our listeners to listen to that shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. <laughs> but, For the record, the singing in The Hobbit is the bit I like. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but like in terms of the military dialogue, this is where controversy emerged because... Um, basically cut from this release but in its initial version there was supposedly uh, a racist uh, moment referring to oh, a I playground forgot about this. Yeah. referring to uh, a playground chant uh, all about Chinese people um, oh, God, which, quite... which, which I think sort of was maybe one of those things where no one really knew the specifics of this bit of dialogue. Somehow it made it into the script. It got released in China. The response was not positive. And basically the film got review bombed and failed miserably in China and pulled from cinemas as a result. Why can't people be racist without any consequences? It's not, it's not fair. (laughs) Um, I'm like the worst. Oh my god! I'm the sort of people Hollywood bank on because I absolutely remember that story, and then I've completely forgotten. And then I'm sort of on this podcast singing this film's praises when it's a terrible racist film. <laughs> um, Don't worry, they cut it out. Oh, they cut it. Out. All right then. Uh, yeah, I, I'd I'd also say that just in referring to monsters and uh, women in leadership, there's some interesting. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Oh yeah, tell me about him, Rory. Go on. This will all make yours. Uh, in reference to the actor Tip T.I. Harris, who plays the character of Link, who is the resident sniper, um, at one point Artemis is like, what do you see, Link? Like, he's got amazing eyesight, even when he's not using his sniper <laughs> rifle or something. Um, but uh, the actor uh, once uh, said, referring to... Uh, at the time, presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. Not to be sexist, but I can't vote for the leader of the free world to be a woman, just because every other position that exists, I think a woman could do well. But the president is kind of like, I just know that women make rash decisions emotionally. They make mm-hmm. very permanent, com- cemented decisions. And then later, it's kind of like it didn't happen. Or they didn't mean for it to happen. And I sure would hate to just set off a nuke. Um, sounds like a stable genius, this guy. And then he said, I think you might be able to get the Loch Ness Monster elected before you get a woman. <laughs> well, that, well wow. they're Scottish. They're not an American citizen. Exactly. How many people, how many nukes have been dropped in the history of humanity and how many were sent by women? Oh, good point, Hamish. Very. Uh, I'm, sort of, I'm sort of nodding slowly and sort of giving a silent golf clap. He's also... Uh, currently been investigated for sexual abuse allegations and also admitted to annually accompanying his teenage daughter to have her hymen gynecologically checked to check that she was still a virgin. Um, So he seems like a nice guy. 
What's the time code of him being eaten by a spider? Um, I should have written that down because I've, <laughs> I've actually watched. I've I watched this film once, and I've skim watched it twice, and I did not skim that bit. Because <laughs> yeah, if, if if you want to have a little bit of karmic justice, there's a point which is very aliens influenced uh, when, well, like the entire the entire squad. Well, Paul Anderson likes to remake Aliens. Again and again and again. Again and again and again. But like they get taken to a, ch- a birthing chamber, and as per usual, despite these uh, spiders' entire evolutionary sort of makeup is about capturing and birthing people, they sort of capture Mediovich, but don't give her what she needs to turn into a spider spurting lady. This makes sense if you've seen the film. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but there's a bit when. Uh, Link lifts his shirt up and it's a proper like ew like Dr. Pimple Popper like disaster area <laughs> down his side and all these spiders are bursting and um, and popping out and um I know he still gets eaten as well. <laughs> and he gets eaten. He serves his purpose and then gets eaten up. Um waste not want not. Well like I I know Hamish you you're an arachnophobe and Rory messaged in our group just FYI, I've just seen this film and it's very spidery. But these spiders I'm talking about are like more like crabs. <laughs> and so despite this scene I'm talking about taking place in a cave with webs and little baby spiders, I was like, are these the are these the spiders Rory's talking about? Or are there more <laughs> spidery monsters coming later? <laughs> yeah. I was a bit too bored to be scared and I I didn't I have a very pick, picky arachnophobia where when you know you know um and these didn't trigger anything for me they were too crab like and also i actually find movie spiders in general don't really set it off because they're always uh sort of anthropomorphized so much like they crawl around being scary and that isn't scary (laughs) to me well i read that or i heard in another podcast which i can't remember um i think reason why spiders fuck us up is because we are used to seeing animals moving through musculature and it's and i think spiders use sort of like i think pistons or or oxygen yeah. that i mean let's let's we won't move off this topic now <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i can see I, I now have a greater understanding of why spiders are a little bit freaky deep. it's the uncanniness and actually i find um generally sort of animals and monsters in uh movies they sort of perform a bit too much when they're cg Mm. um they're sort of perfect whereas i think the unpredictability of a spider is what scares me along with their ugly fucking faces um (laughs) but um sorry if i have a different face it's fine but yes they're in a spider chamber i feel (laughs) like a lot of the plot got skipped over including one of the five monsters in the film uh, Diablos, is that what we're talking about? Yeah. Well, look, I earlier said how much I love the monster design, and I think if I'm if I'm correct, they're pretty pretty accurate to the games. I know the giant dragon at the end is it Rathalos? Yes. Um, is pretty much perfect. But what do you generally think about the monster design in this? Uh well yes they are exactly correct like all of the monsters there's no original monsters in this they're all just taken from the games um including the spiders um and yes 
they're perfect in the sense that it's not like a detective pikachu thing where you're like it's not meant to be that furry or whatever like they look like how they should um i think the choices are strange i think to dedicate like the i'm being generous when i say there's five monsters there's three threats i would say um and then there's some little dinosaurs and some little things um i think it's an odd choice personally to have half of your film dealing with one dragon in a desert and then the other half of the film dealing with a slightly different dragon in a slightly (laughs) different desert it felt it did feel like i'd failed the first mission and i had to go back and do it again like (laughs) um i think they're so the rathalos had to be in the film it's the uh poster child for the game it's in smash brothers and all the merchandise i think it's in every single game um the black it's it's a diabolos but it's actually a black diabolos so it's, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> which I really is enjoyed the, that sound thank you uh which is the female diabolos when it's in heat i should just say uh-huh. oh my god these um, things are fucking kinky uh what's but... the sexiest monster hunter game hamish <laughs> uh rise definitely oh um lost in the title the i i don't know i just there are again i feel like this is coming from someone who's played the games and so there's a certain amount of expectation there's so much variety um even though they do stick pretty much to the like i was saying at the start this kind of dragon and its um various sort of evolutionary lines but there's some that look like giant turkeys and some that look like naked mole rats and there's big slugs and all kinds of things i know they have the spiders but i just thought it was an odd uh decision to not make um both fights that visually distinct it is just two different colored dragons Mm. i guess one goes underground and one flies but i sort of expect a dragon to fly (laughs) um (laughs) So, I don't know. I liked them. They were monsters. Uh, I just wanted to see more, which I guess is a compliment to the monsters. I didn't think, like, oh, God, I hope we don't see any more of these terrible, terrible things. But I just I will give the film credit that the, the big monster fight set pieces are pretty well rendered. I think there's some iffy visual effects in places, but... You know when it's they far have better the big... than in Resident Evil stuff, though. Yeah, but with Resident Evil, you get more, if you know what <laughs> I mean. Whereas this is just like here's a few things, but I, I think like the kind of big climactic sort of battle with the Raphalos and all the military and and stuff is like that's actually pretty well done and it's 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 sort of well framed and you really get a sense of the destruction that's that's taking place. Um, and you know, sort of similarly with the sort of you know when Artemis and the hunter kind of go toe to toe with the Diabolos and stuff. So I, I, I don't really have issues with necessarily how those, you know, sequences work, but it, there's just like such a lot of waffle to kind of get there <laughs> in between them. I'm a bit conflicted by that battle when Raphalos fights the uh, army. So well, there's a point in the, hmm. so like, okay, I established, I like the film, right? But I do think it ends in a very strange way 
because it, we have a sort of cliffhanger ending, don't we? And that's when it feels like, okay, we've got all the establishing shit out of the way. We are now going on a monster hunt and our three heroes are like racing towards the big monster. And then it cuts to the title and credits. Before, so the, so the, the big battle, the big finale seems to be Rathalos transported to our world to fight the army. And while technically extremely impressive, I've seen monsters shoot like I've seen monsters attack and destroy armies before you know like like modern military it's just it's just Godzilla and like stuff. earlier in the yeah. film <laughs> and earlier in the film so i mean in a way we you can't have i mean there's a variety in types of battle i suppose because the only the alternative is is sort of melee melee fighting a dragon again but at the same time i kind of wish the ending of the film was a big fantasy battle at the sky tower where we're all moving towards. And, you know, side note, I did like having a giant tower in a Paul W. Sanderson movie again. He's good with yeah, towers. The, the way that whole <laughs> area looked was very much like Shang Tsung's tower in Outworld. Yeah. I, um, I guess I've seen monsters fighting military, but because Rathalos to me is a video game character, I know it is just a big red dragon, but to me it, you know, it's like Charizard or something. There was a kind of um, enjoyment out of seeing it fight uh, some planes. And, um, <laughs> you know, we said that I'm a Godzilla fan. And as much as I, on the whole, appreciate the recent Godzilla films, something that I really found quite disappointing about some of them is just it's very hard to work out what's going on. And um, I enjoyed the the daytime no particle stuff flying in my face yeah. um there were some nice shots of like there's a shot i really liked of um you seeing a small shadow of the rathalos mm. and then a plane goes over and you realize how big the shadow actually is yeah um there was a nice i got a, a few good overhead shots because there was another one of the, the diablos where you could see them like in the desert and the big thing coming towards it um yeah, I appreciated the scale, and you don't often see just a little person with a big sword running towards a giant monster, and and don't think they're going to be completely squashed. I thought that was cool. Um, and you know, I, I've recently seen uh, Shang Chi at the uh, at the old cinema, and I'm not going to spoil anything about it. But surprising no one, the, some of the big sort of set pieces, the big special effects set pieces look sort of flat and and obviously just like color corrected so everything looks just a little bit gray and, and colorless and boring um and despite it being in the desert i just i felt that the sky was bright and blue and it's just i thought it was just shot really nicely i'm just i'm just not expecting paul debbie sanderson films to look sumptuous at all i are. think yeah, I do think shots where the monsters are in, um, other than the spider cave, which I just was a little bit of a sort of shadowy mess, I thought. The shots yeah. with the big dragons, it was clear that who was the who was Miliovich and who was the dragon. <laughs> and uh, which that's again? not always... Miliovich just bite a dragon's head off. Oh, it's the other way around. Speaking of her, I actually, I haven't seen all of the Resident Evil films. I don't think I've seen any of them past the second one. But I actually appreciated seeing her play a character who knew who she was. Um, yeah. 
because I only know it's, her yeah, from Resident yeah. Evil and Fifth Element, and like it's actually interesting seeing her not do the sort of born sexy yesterday kind of trope. Um, she knew what her name was, which was like a start. Yeah, I think this is a good point to actually talk about the characters because I made a note here to say that I liked Mila Jovovich more here than she even in Resident Evil because here she's 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 the boss. She's called Hey Boss um, because of she's not called Hey Boss. You know what I mean? <laughs> but she she's achieved a rank uh, and she's not the self-appointed savior of the world slash the most important person of all umbrellas design. I mean, from about the third film onwards she's project alice and like she's got multiple satellites tracking her um she's also like not so blasé about people dying you know she's she feels like a a person <laughs> i mean you know not exactly layered but i feel there's just more of maybe the actual Mia Jovovich in there she feels like a person but she also feels like a bit of an asshole and you know that's that's kind of refreshing in a in a way but like the fact that she shows literally no fucking interest in this magical world she's been presented with <laughs> i get it that it's like fight and survive but even when she's like at the oasis and all this kind of stuff uh, she just doesn't really give a shit about the sort of the magic of this know. of this world she's just like oh there's horrible spiders everywhere it's disgusting it's horrible i did see one review of of um uh, monster hunter on letterbox which was basically said with all the imagination of the world and they basically created a desert with loads of spiders that's not monster hunter that's just australia um <laughs> well i mean i might be giving this film too much credit but i think perhaps she was like just fucking done with it <laughs> by that by which i mean like i've been in this desert for days uh, i will have had to eat is wall slime and this Hershey's chocolate bar, and uh, I think the most I'd rather un- have I know <laughs> the most unrealistic bit in this entire film was when she produces a half-eaten Hershey bar from her pocket, and it's not melted into atoms. It's been in her <laughs> pocket for two full days in the desert, and to Tony Jar's credit. He, when he first smells her, the Hershey bar, he winces. And if anyone's <laughs> like, it actually smells like baby sick Hershey's. But that comes after she says, like, I'm not your enemy. And then it immediately produces a Hershey's bar. And I was like, no, you are the fucking enemy. <laughs> yeah, no, don't. You've, you've come, you're going to ruin everything with this. It's not um, like any. And then, like, he offers her water, and it's like, that's not an even trade. <laughs> no, well, okay, so. Like Tony Jaa, I know, of course, from Ong Back, which is like that amazing martial arts film which came out, I can't remember when, like sometime this century. Like 2003 or four, maybe? <laughs> yeah, I think so. And I know he had a bit of a rough time after that because I don't, I don't think he was at that time a very charismatic performer and he wasn't supposed he wasn't meant he wasn't really given much to do in on that other than like chase a statue which had been stolen look grumpy and then fuck people up with his elbows <laughs> um but uh here he, i think he's kind of like a delight and i'm sure like Miljovovic was taken back to his old her old uh, multi-pass days when she's speaking to someone who's like talking gibberish i thought it was kind of strange though that 
I mean, maybe it's an intentional subversion or whatever, but like she goes to this fantasy world, but he's the fish out of water the entire film. Is he? Because he's the one constantly reacting to her like wants and needs and items and stuff. There's nothing that he produces that she doesn't understand. Well, I definitely didn't understand how we are. Well, we we first see him in the in the pre-title bit. He's on the sand boat and he gets knocked off it, and then we're reintroduced to him sort of being the guardian angel for the army squads he's kind of giving him a warning he shoots like a a flare um to warn the soldiers of the encroaching diablos and then later on he's shooting up spiders sort of protecting them again but the next time he sees them next time we see him despite sort of doing everything he can to save the soldiers he's sort of kidnapping mediovich and dragging her to his cave and being a dick but i thought he was sure. but i thought he but i thought he was doing that to like save her because like they encounter each other at the sort of sandship graveyard and like he produces a knife and puts it to her throat because she's got a knife and i i but i just don't understand their sort of relationship they basically have a fist fight he captures her and then like she escapes and then like they have another fist fight and try to kill each other um and then she rescues him from a spider nest and then she's like but i'm not your enemy and it's like since when like both of you have just been like fighting each other are you trying to protect her and save her or like i i just you know i i guess they both under come to understand that they need each other to survive but I just don't get where the antagonism and misunderstanding begins and yeah. ends. She seems like totally culturally insensitive to everything that he's doing, which is not like a great look. Um, I mean, again, um, I don't want to be defending sort of bigotry and, and all that stuff, but I think she's probably doesn't give a shit at the moment. <laughs> she's like, I want no, to survive. I mean, Fair that enough, guy, like, like you know, it, which I offered him, but still, fair enough, like you know, knock over her his like statues that he's praying to, or you know, whatever. I mean, he, he, I, I... he knocked over their entire water supply, and she calls him "you spiteful little bastard." Which, well, <laughs> <laughs> but that was a good that was a good joke. He took that me. was pretty funny. But yeah, I, I I don't know. Like I think I think both of them are clearly charismatic performers. Yes. Um, but you know, and there are there are some like nice moments of their bonding, and you know, there's like where she kind of says as they embark on their quest, "Let's do this," and he basically just goes, "Hmm," and she's like, ah, "Never mind, let's just go," um, <laughs> which is a good subversion of like the badass dialogue sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I just I just kind of like wish there was a a bit more of that and i wish i kind of like cared more about it did skip them like, and their relationship yeah it skipped a few things to I, I don't i don't understand why they just like each other apart from like the plot needed them to i appreciated the fact i think it's the only movie about someone going to another universe where there is a language barrier um mm. and i liked uh it reminded me of playing on the ps4 because i turned off voice chat because people are mean to me so I have to uh, take down monsters and just infer what people want me to do. <laughs> um, I, I wasn't, I keep saying that I was bored, but I wasn't really bored by them or their performances. 
I, I kept wanting a bit more, but I not more from the sort of story and the things like that. Yeah, I think I think their cat charisma goes a long way. But um yeah, I guess I just wasn't I wasn't fidgeting waiting for the next monster to show up. Okay, I think I think that is where it really differs. So I think you're skipping a little bit to what we think about this film, our final thoughts of the film. It does seem like if you like Monster Hunter, maybe don't watch this film because you're going to be spending the entire time waiting for like another monster to show up. Like you've got an entire Pokedex here, but you're just seeing Bulbasaur all the time. Well, I was going to say, I was here for the monsters. Uh, you were here for the uh drama <laughs> and ron perlman was here for the paycheck <laughs> ron paycheck perlman i think is his full name <laughs> um yeah a hellboy versus villain and hellboy reboot um crossover i guess i think um, both hellboy films are just called hellboy weren't they so the back of the video box should yeah. be like ron perlman hellboy and mila jovovich hellboy but not that one <laughs> the other one <laughs> tells me I misjudged you, that I might even owe you an apology. Just don't hold your breath. Why did you put me in chains? What are you so afraid of? Your world, and what it could do to mine. You weren't the first to cross over from your world. There were others, a long time ago. That's how you speak my language. Hmm. I made a study of it. What happened to me? How did I get here? I believe that the answers we both seek lie here. At the peak of that mountain lies the Sky Tower. Remnants of an ancient civilization. Very advanced. Very dangerous. It is said that the ancients knew how to travel between both worlds. I believe that is the purpose of the Sky Tower. That is what brought you here. What happened to this ancient civilization? They destroyed themselves. Their technology turned on them. You think my world had something to do with it? I suspect. But an open gateway between our two worlds was catastrophic once. I intend to make sure that doesn't happen again. We were on our way to investigate the Sky Tower when we strayed it to the Diabolos. It's where I lost my friend here. Tending to the wounded and repairing the ship was our first priority. But now, we resume our mission. The ancients would guard their technology with the most fearsome of creatures, a Rathalos. Almost impossible to kill. Their only weakness is just before they breathe fire. You help us with the battle ahead, perhaps we can help you get home. matter 
You don't have cats in your world? Hey! You've been drinking from my mug again? Shall we talk then about the 15 minutes or so of this film, which is like the games? Because, you know, we have the taste at the start and then we get this kind of like chunk of the film where it's like, why don't we have this wacky fun world with sand pirates and shit like the whole time? And I know the reasons mm. or I can assume the reasons, but this was like the part of the film I liked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, as I said, I was watching this with my missus, and when like this cat character shows up, um, I've written his name down. Palico. Palico. That's a species. That's a species. Okay. Well, you know, he's called the Meowskular Chef. This, this was just fun, you know, a cat chef character. There's some funny stuff when it's been drinking Ron Perlman's beer and left a massive hairball in it. I just realised how often Paul Anderson goes for comedy and it's not funny <laughs> or it's funny <laughs> despite itself. But this was just some cute... I think we, we all love it when a film goes bizarre, you know? And this was probably like weird and me over it just like, what the fuck is that? And Ron Perlman is like, you don't have cats in your world? <laughs> I thought that was quite funny. Yeah, and it was like neat. Did but he that's... know about the cats and Monster Hunter when you started watching this, Harry? I again, I don't know anything about the cats and Monster Hunter, but I was aware. I think what had happened with the publicity of this film, the first naturally, the he the more special effecty stuff, more visual effecty stuff could only be released once it's properly rendered so i think just before it was about to be released i think they went hard with like a trailer of showing more of this section of the film because it is more fantasy and more what monster hunter should look like so this this animal did show up and when they start on their final quest i mean it seems to me that this village is in the car park of the sky tower because it takes like a minute to walk from this village to the base of this evil tower and they leave the cat behind and in my heart I was like no oh, they're leaving this cat behind because it's probably a very expensive special effect but then I remember well they're going to like loads of dragons I'm sure they could have put a cat in there somewhere but anyway is it is there more for me to know about this cat uh well it's it is as Rory said the part of the film that is just the game um I feel like, you know how when Mortal Kombat came out, they released the first seven minutes on the internet because it's cool, mm -hmm. and then you watch the movie and the first seven minutes happen, and then the rest of the movie happens, you're like, oh, I can see why, <laughs> I can see why they released that. I feel like if they were going to release like a part of the film to like get fans interested, it would just be this segment, because... Um, as much as Monster Hunter is about hunting monsters, there's kind of two parts of the game. And the other part is the sort of getting up your equipment and preparing for the fight. Pointing and... at old maps. Yeah. And the, the the bit that I think was the most fun is when all your other party members are sort of logging in and appearing. And then you all sit down and have lunch together. And you're all choosing different meals to sort of boost different stats. And there's always a little cutscene of a cat cooking it. <laughs> like... This, this, 
the scenes of the cat cooking the meal are not shot for shot, but like every game has its own palico cooking no. meals animation that like when a new monster hunter comes out people are excited to see well what animation do they do this time and it gets more and more elaborate and ridiculous each time i mean um, I, I will admit i know i've been batting for this film but if they decided to save all that money not show any dragons and not show any diablos and not show any sky towers or dragons fighting soldiers if it was just like an hour-long film of this cat cooking sushi. I, I really, it would be like my my first ever six-star movie. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be just. Why can't they just make film? Oh, actually, that's. Um, yeah, just, I was going to say that film is cats. Actually, Harry. Um, I got a feeling when I saw all the characters in their like completely accurate cosplay, and like if you Google Monster Hunter Admiral, you will find pictures of the character that uh ron perlman is playing and it's like hair strand perfect yeah let's get to ron perlman we've danced around this enough he's like he's just fallen out of like a manga hasn't he or more accurately this video game and it probably helps because he's got that face hasn't he um a face only a mother could love maybe i don't know i'm an american national treasure yeah i don't i don't mean that in the completely disrespectful way that actually sounded (laughs) (laughs) basically i'm sorry ron don't hurt me but yeah i mean that hair um the the outfit like everything's just a little bit oversized i mean we haven't covered um warcraft yet but one thing i appreciated about the production design of that film was how all the armor and and look just a little bit too big but that's how that felt like video game accurate and it's the same thing here it's uh i mean the weaponry and everything is pretty video game accurate as well isn't it yes um i was saying that when i saw all of them in their cosplay i kind of knew that most of those background characters wouldn't have any lines or contribute much because they just they're sort of there for the aesthetic and as much as i thought his look was delicious and i uh post a picture of it i had to take a screenshot of his look this is actually the first time i've like not enjoyed ron perlman in something <laughs> um maybe the episode of charmed he's in but um the but i just don't enjoy charmed anyway he just seems so bored like it didn't even come across as like world weary it came across as like these are the lines you got to do ron Okay. I mean, to, I was I mean, flashbacks the... to the to in the name of the king, where you fate plays a very similar character, but for Ua Bowl. and so I need to remember, I, I need point... to watch that film again to be honest to see if he's better in that than he is here. Uh, but I think the point of this character is is summed up in when he says, "I studied your language," because he's the only person in this world who can speak English. Basically. I studied your language, i.e. we needed exposition. And (laughs) he explains the whole thing about what the Sky Tower is and that it's the ancient civilization and that it's the link between these two worlds and caused catastrophe. Well, just about the language thing, where is the real world portion of this film set? Because if it's, it's like it's in a generic Middle Eastern desert, where is it where it's supposed to be? 
I mean, I'm basically saying it seems very... Un- if people are travelling through to this world the entire time, it seems very unlikely it would be English with an American accent. Unless there have been... <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's, some, it's something in the soldiers' water supply which is transferring them through. Well, the only people that come through are soldiers. It says something about uh, foreign occupation of of uh, Middle Eastern countries. Or maybe he just that studied the language. English is spoken of, everywhere. He studied the language of, was it Bravo team, which go through first. And so he, he studied <laughs> their language in the space of a day, and now he's perfect. And then he left them to be smouldering corpses <laughs> in, the, yeah. in the desert. I've learned a language. Uh, go fuck yourselves. <laughs> But this is where he like you know reveals the plot, and it, it is just yeah we're on the way to the Sky Tower too, and this is how to get Artemis back to her world. But I just keep on thinking about how the film could have been where you know Artemis and her unit they land in the world and immediately get picked up by this fleet and cut out the whole necessary desert crossing, and then have the second act of the film start with meeting reuniting with the rest of the fleet and then make the middle of the film this quest to get to the sky tower just yeah it's the sky tower as you say harry is is basically in their back garden and you see them traversing all this terrain in this montage which lasts all of like 20 seconds it's just like ah we're finally here at the sky tower it's just like where was that film yeah i was checking my phone and we're here already (laughs) It'd be like if, like, you know, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the first two parts of the trilogy is them hanging out in the Shire, and then, like, oh, we better make them get to Mordor, I guess. Okay, hop, skip, and a jump, and a lot of here fans we are. Like that version. I'm looking forward to the Amazon <laughs> series, which is just like that. Um, yeah, but, you know, we know this is because of budget, don't we? I mean, even if it's just a group of actors, that's sort of several more salaries you've got to pay and so but i think they, that's they i think that's giving the them are. i think that's giving them too much credit i think the only the buck only stops so far if you don't have the budget don't make the movie you know i don't think the world of monster hunter is uh complex enough uh that you need an audience surrogate or you need someone um <laughs> expositioning about I can see it, you know, if I see a tower in a movie, I kind of assume there's going to be a portal somewhere near it. <laughs> um, it uh, yeah, I, like I said, as soon as I saw their outfits, I knew they wouldn't speak. I knew they were probably just like put in to make fans go wild at the trailers. Um, and what I thought was funny <laughs> is that there's so little dialogue in the film, but the fact that they mention the Rathalos's weakness three times was so like it was just very overt and yeah i think that's actually true in the games as well um but oh yeah um you have to it's most vulnerable and it's about to attack but like he doesn't mention that when it's about to breathe fire it could have been other other attacks and you know it seems pretty obvious to shoot a baddie in the mouth i suppose that's where i shoot all my baddies and it works pretty well but you know so i guess as i've said earlier and i sort of kind of wrecking towards the end of this film now i was kind of surprised that 
we sort of get to the sky tower and there's some quite decent f monster fighting but we quite quickly end in the real world for for like a final battle against some tanks and then we come back to tee up a potential sequel but i have no but idea but that's the thing you don't you have finally they get to this rafalos and there's there's rain pouring there's lava there's lightning there's a big tower and then he lets immediately transport them back to a, a boring desert all over again and yeah i like that action sequence and how it looks but it's just it's just for why because you know like the the very final ending with this big sequel tease is just like the end of mortal Kombat. um so like which one because more, i mean well, the, yeah, the end of the paul ws anderson mortal Kombat. yeah because and, and the most you have recent them thinking but you have them thinking the threat is over and then it's like you weep pathetic fools have come for your souls except it's like a a different kind of dragon um a gormagala gormagala <laughs> thank you um mm -hmm. and then you have some mystical person in a robe up top the tower i forgot about that bit but that's the thing it made me realize like what other paul anderson movies has which this doesn't is a villain and we love a good video game movie villain but this mm. film i'm not saying like oh let's make the admiral betray everyone or or whatever but it's just like you need some like juicy villain to cut through the tedium and make it kind of like alive again. But when it's just a bunch of dragons, it's like, yeah, dragons, but I want someone to like be in control of the dragons. That's a good point. And, and in regards to um, Paul W. Sanderson's Mortal Kombat, we, we get to the end of the film, the villain is defeated. And that sequel tease is like a little, it's like a cherry on top, but this film does end with like, they've not finished the quest like that we've been told the entire film or at least ron Pullman says at the at that one hour mark or whatever um here is the plot we need to go to this tower and stop what's going on there but they just literally don't do that they save that for the next film well when this was shown at Cannes, it did say monster hunter part one it really <laughs> it was shown at can <laughs> no you're talking about, you're talking about june <laughs> yeah um bonkers i wonder if um paul has been making resident evil movies for so long that he has got used to thinking well we can't fit this in it i'll put it in the next one yeah um, without if he does yeah and i guess i mean i got the impression for the resident evil movies that he was sort of funding them himself and they were his phone movies um yeah, he's got I no feel... family videos. That's all Resident Evil movies. <laughs> yeah, takes over was... our wedding with Resident Evil Afterlife. Oh, I guess we'll have to do Resident sequel. Evil: The Final Wedding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know if I'd see a Monster Hunter two. I mean, it's, I've... yeah, it's it's it's, but it's, it's not it's like. Tricky. <laughs> it's not but it's it's not like oh he ran out of time with this movie that he couldn't possibly fit in this final battle it's make all the nothing that happens <laughs> for the first hour shorten that by 10 minutes and just you know short you know 
don't have so many spiders and save that mm. for like you know just having I mean, why, why not even like add... five minutes of them fighting a final monster and closing the gate or like her being trapped in one world and not the other or i don't know but also as sequelties like mortal kombat you have the emperor going to invade earth resident evil you have the sort of reveal that raccoon city is completely infested the sequel tease for this is like, I hope you want to see another dragon fought in a desert. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm fine. Actually, <laughs> go back to my earlier point. I don't see they just stop the film. There's there's been no. Yeah. I mean, again, we talk with in Fellowship of the Ring that sort of stops unfinished because you know there's more story to go, but this just seems to almost be like out of spite. It just ends before. <laughs> anything is resolved i mean it feels as i mentioned earlier it feels weird that the big the big battle turns out to be against the little army in the desert and so it's almost oh is that it (laughs) like we're gonna let leave the nightmare tower for like another film it would have been far more honest if just at the bottom of the stream it said auto saving (laughs) <laughs> and there was just a little dial, and then it just like quit. <laughs> I mean, again, this might have been out out of the budgetary. This might have been too expensive, but you could have just had somehow the army come through the portal into the monster hunter world, and then you could have the the modern versus the ancient at the tower, and then just do something with the tower. It, it as I say, it just feels a bit like out of spite. <laughs> I think there's yeah. there's various different versions of this exact same plot that would have been better than what the finished product is. <laughs> well, is there anything else we want to say um about this? I mean despite me feeling a bit like like the ending is bums um I I mostly enjoyed myself, and I mostly enjoyed the world, and I mostly enjoyed the characters and and the monsters. But uh, completely acknowledge, as I said a moment uh, a short while ago, if you if this is, might not be this is very much the Masters of the Universe movie, um, the canon group movie where it's inexplicably a lot in our world, and you don't really get all the stuff you really like about He Man. But without an amazing yeah. villain, as 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 Rory mentioned. Exactly. Yeah. It ain't got skeletal. I have a few quick fire points of interest. Well, they're not interesting. <laughs> they're just things that I, <laughs> I like. What did you say at the start? Is it boring but satisfying points? I don't remember saying satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> um no, there's just little things I like. Like I you know, the way that Tony's uh, turning the fire on the spit in the game when you collect mm. meat from uh, when you collect meat from monsters you can cook it and it's like exactly the same motion exactly the same time it was like I was like ah it's a video game um, I wrote down some of my favorite quotes uh, never seen a flamethrower do this to a man when she's looking at a charred skeleton <laughs> I thought that was funny um I also I liked the line when uh, the the military guy said saw a dinosaur in a museum one time wasn't that big, um, which is our dinosaur expert. 
I liked um, when when Mila woke up and woke up in the cave, and she said, "It's some sort of poison. You just got to work through it," which is how poison works. <laughs> um, okay, I like this film a lot more now. You've got your point in the sort of dialogue. Yeah, I, I I always write down. I mean, I will admit that I often write more notes for a Kitchen Nightmares episode than I did for this feature length movie. Um, <laughs> well, I think but... a lot less goes on because it is it is <laughs> like. I mean, I was thinking of since you're usually on our Pokemon episodes, I was thinking about how this is a bit of a change. Um, and one thing I liked about it was how simple the story was. Because if you look back at a lot of our Pokemon films, there's a lot of theological debate and stuff going on in those movies, perhaps mm. unnecessarily. <laughs> no, I think well, I think the simple plot is not to its detriment. I do think, you know, that was an okay decision. Speaking of crossover potential, I have been to but not eaten at uh a couple of monster hunter themed cafes in japan they do exist and they do have very monster hunter looking meat of questionable origin um on <laughs> display so... of something <laughs> yeah that reminds me i bought turkey dinosaurs uh this week in my freezer maybe i'll cook that over a spit <laughs> just like a when a when do you not have turkey dinosaurs in the freezer <laughs> it's been a while because the last time i ate them i felt quite ill but it might have been because <laughs> it might be because i ate an entire packet of like nine dinosaurs <laughs> so uh yeah don't sue me uh bird and matthews um i my only other note i again just emphasizing that i actually quite enjoyed tony jar's sort of charm and and his uh, acting poison. He, he act. There's a moment where he acts stealing a stinger from a spider to sting a diablos, diablos, and killing it. And I just found that really adorable. How he was just like he does mm. like a sleepy motion and stuff. You know, it can be quite annoying when some when there's a language barrier in a film. Uh, but I think they pull it off quite nicely. When is Tony Daw not a Tony oh. Daw? <laughs> oh. No, I don't have anything to add. Anything more? Um, so I have one last thing that I really enjoyed. Yeah. Can I tell you what my favorite moment in the entire film Go was? The first three seconds where the Toho logo was over sounds of monsters roaring. That's why I liked. Yeah. It was a very like, shiny Toho logo as well. I don't think yeah. I've seen that new I mean, look Toho logo. I never, I didn't know. I mean, if you don't know, Toho are the people who make the Godzilla films. And so when I see that logo, I. I sort of oh, oh, this is a monster movie with a Toho logo. This will be good. And um, yeah, I, I still believe it now. <laughs> so I mean, I I would I would kind of recommend it because it is dumb, fun, and simple. Would either of you recommend it with any form of caveats, or would you think just give a wide berth? I think I'm possibly between the two of you. Um. I think there's an there's some points of interest for Monster Hunter fans. It's not like a f- franchise shaming moment. Like, um, you know what I mean by this. You know I love it, but something like Mario Brothers or or anything where it's just like, well, that doesn't represent our franchise. I think no Monster Hunter fan should be offended by this being what the movie was. It's just not very good, but it's like not insulting. So yeah, it's I, made I, by people who know the games and have tried 
and maybe didn't succeed in bringing it to the big screen. Which makes it a bit safe, because I think the Mario Brothers movie of version of uh, Monster Hunter would be a lot more enjoyable. Actually, can I say one last thing? I fucking hated the music. I'm really sorry. <laughs> oh, I really hated it. They're like, do 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 I actually really liked it. <laughs> no, I also knew you would like it, because the music isn't bad, but it's not Monster Hunter. Monster no. Hunter is like sweeping orchestral music. It's like if the Zelda movie had this music, and it's like, ooh, video game, synths, and I was like, ah. Anyway, that's all. Goodbye. Yeah, I, I I think it's it's a no from from me for <laughs> all of the above. It sounds like perfect Dragon's Den style ending for this dragon themed film. You're out. You're out. Um cool. Well we'll see if the story is continued. I get a sense that one hundred percent no is <laughs> not gonna happen. <laughs> but we'll see if I'll be in my words in a few uh years decades time i don't know but thank you hamish for coming on the show and discussing giving us your your limited expertise and expert opinion on this <laughs> film um do you have anything to plug uh, before we send you on your way um yeah if you like podcasts and my voice and my brother's uh occasionally appearing um i have a podcast called waking kitchen nightmares where we discuss the Gordon Ramsay oeuvre. Um, and as I'm sure I have promoted on every time I've been on the show, because it's still not out yet, uh, I have a TV show coming to Netflix that you are fully, fully free to watch and rip apart, rip apart on your podcast. Well, I think there'll be, um, there'll be monsters in that show, I think. There is monsters that... Uh, that's it. <laughs> I was still going like, no, there's not really any military, there's not really any hunting, but there's definitely some monsters. So uh, it's going to be 50% as good as this film. At yes. least, we'll say. At least, yeah. <laughs> Great. No, brilliant. Um, well, thank you again. Um, Rory, how can people keep in touch with Games on Film? You can find information about the podcast on our website, gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast. And we're on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at gamesonfilmpod. You can contact us, gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com. And you can find all episodes of the podcast on SoundCloud, Acast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, indeed, wherever you get your podcasts. So please like, rate, review, share, and subscribe. I'm on Twitter at Rory Steele. I'm at Only Man Who Can. I'm at Hamer Steel on everything. And the music for this episode was composed by David Lightfoot. Right, well, we've done Pokemon with you, Hamish. We've done Monster Hunter, perhaps in another world. In a new world, we'll be tackling something else. But Let me know when they make a Bomberman movie. <laughs> yeah, it writes itself. Let's recommend Pierce Brosnan's Livewire. Yes, that's, that's an amazing <laughs> film. But just briefly, a, a robot who can't stop laying bombs everywhere is effing terrifying. So I'm going to write that script and uh, let you know about it. But until next time, I've been Harry. I've been Rory. I've been here. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.